Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. I am thrilled to be getting back to you on a, a midweek edition of the Start Vegas Report. As always, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And uh, Gavin is joining us today, guys, via the phone. Um, he had to go back home. And if he, if he wants to tell you a little bit more about that, he will. But if he doesn't, of course, he doesn't have to explain himself. He can be wherever he wants to be. But uh, Yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and do it now if you don't uh, mind. Yeah, go me. ahead. So my brother over the weekend, he was playing baseball in Oxford, and he had a pretty bad leg injury, broke his tibia in two different places. So I came home for a few days. It was my mom's birthday on Monday, so I came home to – spend some time with my family and uh, make sure everything's good, help out around the house because my parents will be busy taking care of him for a little while. So I just came home to help out make sure everybody was good. And uh, I, Gavin and I haven't even talked about it since Monday. How's, how's little bro doing? Are they going to, are they going to give him a surgery or is he going to be able to do without? Yeah. So he goes, he goes back to uh, the doctor tomorrow morning actually, and they're going to take the cast off and, do some more x-rays and look at it, make sure the bone hasn't shifted. And if it hasn't, then he's going to be good. If it has, uh, he's going to have to do surgery. So we're waiting to see. I got you. So everybody at home, you know, pray for Gavin's little brother. And of course, uh, my little brother, I don't think he's in a ton of pain or, but just emotional pain. Uh, I've also got a little brother that tore his ACL uh, a few weeks ago and he's, uh, done with football for his senior year. And uh, we're going to have that surgery in December because there's no reason to hurry him back. We're just going to get it done over Christmas break. So uh, I guess I just pray that, you know, his feelings aren't too bad hurt and that that surgery goes well. And also that, uh, if possible, that Gavin's little brother can avoid a surgery and that if if, if it's not possible, that uh, the surgery would go well and that he'd be healed and not in a lot of pain. Thank you all for being here with us. Thanks, and uh, No, no problem. Thank you for, you know, the support and the love that all of y'all give. Uh, we know that, in Mississippi State, it's a, it really is a family. Uh, there's there's not we're not fans or family, and we've heard that from Dak. And, but it really does mean something. And I know, and I'm not saying it's not, you know, there's not family aspects at every school, but I do know at Mississippi State and and in the in Mississippi in general, uh, who you are to each other definitely means something. What you've been in the past and 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 how you treat how you treat people, and how we treat each other as fans and 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 in the family. Uh, is definitely something important and something that we take pride in. Oh, uh, with that being said, we're going to move on, you know, and uh, talk about all the stuff we had planned to talk about today. But first, I'd like to bring your attention once again to the Bell Smith. The Bell Smith, of course, the uh, most unique cowbells for cheering on the Bulldogs. You can direct message him at the Bell Smith on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or you can email him at junctionbell at gmail.com. Uh, the Bellsmith, of course, I've got several of his bells uh, sitting in front of me. They are some of the most uh, impressive cowbells I've seen. They are every single one's unique. Even he mass produces a couple versions of them, but even so, there's little details uh, that are just makes every single one a little bit different. They're not factory or machine made. They're not carbon copies of each other. You can have a custom order done and may have any kind of bell you like. You can you can make anything that you can think of into a bell. If you're a podcaster and you love to produce your own show, or if you're a singer or something like that, uh, you can have a microphone made into a cowbell. Uh, think about thinking about uh, something that Gavin and I probably ought to do. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but that'd be something. That'd be a good Christmas gift for anybody listening that wants to mail us something. But uh, there's you could have, you know, baseball bats or like uh, golf clubs or tennis rackets or anything that really 
speaks to you and it's something personal to you, you can have it incorporated into Mississippi State's uh, finest tradition and one of the finest traditions in all of sports. If you mention Start Vegas Report with your uh, message, you could receive a 20% discount from your order. So be sure to do that. And uh, patronize his business. If you, people, A lot of people have asked how they know or how they w- are able to help or what can they do to help grow the podcast. And the biggest thing you can do off the bat is patronize the businesses that we uh, advertise with. So give him a message. Give him a, uh, yeah. an e- send him an email and get started on probably the, one of the coolest. You know, Christmas is coming up. Definitely one of the coolest Christmas gifts you can give. Uh, I, might have to, I might have to think about that come, uh, come Christmas time. Yeah. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to, of course, talk about this loss that we suffered this week. Uh, we're going to give a schedule update, though. So, th- obviously, this show is a little bit late because of some of the things that Gavin and I just talked about. Um, but also, after the bye week, uh, we did not feel like there's a huge hurry. Or, excuse me, heading into the bye week, we know there's not a huge hurry to produce a show this week. We're not playing this weekend. Next Monday, there will be a show. and it, it won't be, of course, a review episode. So, there will be a little bit more... Uh, It'll be a little bit, I guess, I, would, I don't want to, want to say more lighthearted. I don't think we're very solemn on this show and very, you know, dark, are we, Gavin? No. Are we emo? Uh, I like to think we're not, at least. I would like to think we aren't either. But but there are probably going to be some more exotic topics that we can talk about on Monday that we can plan out. And then we'll have your regular, totally normal pre- preview show for Alabama on Friday. That one might be a little solemn. Uh, Might be a little bit reverent, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. There, there's some good things to look forward to for that game that I'm excited. Right, so we're going to talk about the game. So one thing I will say about this game is that it could have been worse. Um, I really thought that State had a chance to win, if not for maybe one or two key uh, issues. But you you didn't you didn't just say, oh, we gave the game right to them and, 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 and we totally outplayed them but just made too many mistakes. It wasn't like Arkansas and Kentucky. Texas A&M yeah. was a better football team. I still think, devoid of mistakes, Mississippi State is a much better football team than Arkansas and Kentucky. Definitely better athletes on mo- at most positions. Uh, the talent is there. On, of course, not saying that Kentucky and and uh, Arkansas are very, very, very talented are not very, very talented because they are. Mississippi State's got you know probably some of the best talent. It's more talent than it's used to if you go back the past twenty or thirty years. So. With A and M though, they definitely had uh, they definitely had the upper hand. Not just from, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We did, we did shoot ourselves in the foot, but they they also played a good game. Um, Isaiah Spiller got got going a little bit. Um, that I don't think our defense, our front seven played as good a game as they had been. But they're still they're still the number one defense in the SEC after what Bama did to Georgia. Uh, I don't think yeah. that. Um, I know for a fact that the offensive line did not play well at all, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But Texas A&M did not – we didn't give the game to Texas A&M the way we had the other two games. So that's an improvement because we didn't give it to them, and it was still just a a 14-point game. Now, we did give them two touchdowns, gift-wrapped them, handed them – put a bow on them, uh, put put a little name tag and said to Texas A&M from Mississippi State – and handed them and gave them a hug and a kiss on the cheek because we had a fumbled punt that started put us on the one-yard line and a sack fumble that put them on the eight-yard line, and they scored rather quickly after both turnovers. Something we got to clean up. Uh, of course, one of those is not Tucker, uh, excuse me, Tucker Days, is not KJ Costello or the quarterback's fault. One of them probably is, although he doesn't share all the blame for that. But 
you guys see where even though I don't think we handed them the game, two turnovers and we're kind of in it. You know, they might have scored on one of those punts after a while if you live to play another down in those situations. But the way our defense was playing, they played adequate enough to where you could stack – either one of those really, really changes the game. And both of them do for sure. So, again, we got to clean up mistakes. Again, we've got to – Again, it's not like I think at Kentucky, if you don't throw any interceptions, you win that game by by twenty. It's 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 literally night and day. I don't think it's like that. I don't think we would have blown them out had you not snapped the ball over. Did they snap it over his head or did he fumble it? I don't even remember. I couldn't see it he well. Fumbled the punt, I think. He just didn't catch it. I don't know. I was I was actually walking. I was working, so I was walking into the stadium as it happened. So. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and look at the look at that replay because I was in the student section. And they were at the far end of the field, so it was difficult for me to see exactly what happened. I just know, I just know, knew the ball got by him. I'd really like to see right. that not be Tucker Day's fault because he's having an All SEC type year. Uh, and good on Tucker Day, he did recover the ball at the one, you know, so that they didn't, uh, yeah. they he, didn't he score. Didn't, he didn't punt particularly well on Saturday. No, he didn't. Which was kind of disappointing. There, he had a few shanks, but. Other than that, he's had a pretty solid. He Tucker Day didn't have any hang time. They kept getting return yards. He would punt the, the crap out of it lengthwise, and then he would out he out kicked his coverage yeah. on almost every punt. Which you which is a, a good way to have to to give them some cheap yards. You know, if if the guy's not if you want fair catches, you want the guy to fair catch it. Yeah. Anyway, um, but we talked about we're we're done talking about the punter. I'm sure all of y'all noticed, and if you watched the game, if you got on Twitter during before, before during or after the game, um, if you talked to anybody that watched the game, if you talked to an Ole Miss fan that happened to click over to the game, there is one glaring issue Saturday that was so bad and almost so embarrassing that it makes it it, it just boggles my mind at how this is even possible. Gavin, what am I talking about? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about Matt Corral's performance. The what? I said I'm assuming you're going to talk about Matt Corral's performance. No, I'm talking about uh, talking about if you're watching, talking about our game. What was the one thing that really, really stood out? That even if you didn't like, you probably would have heard about it if you even if you didn't watch the game. Ah, okay. We're going to talk about that I'm though. Assuming you're there, there's a couple things though. So you could you could be talking about the truth, who is very impressive on Saturday. But I'm assuming that you're talking about the protesters. We're we're lost. We're me and you. Are, you and me you and I are not on the same page. What what was? No, we're not. We're not. We're not together either. Well, we're not we're together. So that's part of it. I was talking about how bad the offensive line played. Okay. I think Gavin's well, in too. Gavin's in too positive a mood. He's only talking about the good things or the funny things. Yeah, those were those were the only things I would like to remember from Saturday. The offensive line kind of frustrated me to a point that I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Well, we can't avoid it, Gavin. We run a we run a media outlet. With good offensive line play, I feel like we're probably we're probably four and zero right now. Uh I don't think the offensive line cost us the Arkansas game. They hurt us in Kentucky. I don't know. They hurt us against Kentucky. They they weren't great against uh, Arkansas. But remember, the only sack was the one that they ended up calling. The only sack against Arkansas was the one they ended up calling a, a an intentional grounding, which was not which was stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. the thing with A and M though, A and M came into the game with four sacks, and they left with twelve. That's insane. 
in three games they sacked they sacked quarterbacks four times and not against teams that don't throw the ball. Okay, Florida was airing that thing out. They got to 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 uh Kyle Tra- Kyle Trask. Yeah, Kyle Trask. I was thinking Pitts was the Pitts is the tight end, Trask is the quarterback. Yeah. They got to Trask like twice. They got to Costello and Rogers twelve times or eight times. That's insane. Here's another thing. First of all, they were rushing three, dropping eight. Don't think that they were just blitzing or sending a bunch of guys. Texas A&M. They, they dropped eight less than I expected. Though. Less than you expected, but it was never more than – it was always four or three. Yeah. But here's yeah, here's a something here's something I saw that was crazy. Texas A&M had two blitzes. Two. They blitzed twice. They got home on both of them. With two blitzes, Texas A&M led the country Saturday – in pressures, hurries, hits, and sacks by blitzing twice. Which is absolutely insane. That's abysmal. That should, that should basically be impossible. And I'm sorry, and and there's some t- and we're moving some pieces around up front and which which lends to my point that I'm about to make in a second. We're moving some pieces around up front. You do have a couple guys that are gimpy. Dollar Bill got hurt about halfway through the third quarter. But that's coaching. He's good to go though. He'll be back. Right. That's coaching, though. If three guys can't block five, Mason Miller's got to figure that out. Because I know Greg Allen has played in this league as a starter for, for almost four years. He, 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 was, he was a relief starter his freshman year and has started every year since. Okay? That's, you've got to figure that out. You've got uh, a former LSU uh, – got an LSU transfer and an upperclassman at center. You've got a number eight player in the country as a freshman at t- uh, left tackle. And you've got some guards that are veterans. You've got to figure that out. They're not, and again, they're not built for this offense, most of them. Most of them, I mean, left, Charles Cross can do whatever. Greg Island is probably built for it. But these are, are road, road paving, you know, run blockers, pulling guards and stuff like that, trying to pass protect all the time. But they've got to do better. This is, you can't be that bad without being a combination of, of just sorry, of confused, of maybe a little bit of talent deficit, there's got to be multiple factors at play, but you've got to control some of those. We've got two weeks to figure it out uh, before Alabama, but goodness, do we have to figure it out? We have got to figure out what the heck's going on because this is ridiculous. Uh, if, if we don't figure it out, Saban might drop nine on us. I mean, why, why wouldn't you? Why yeah. wouldn't you? Uh, and it's, the only reason it's that beyond ridiculous. And what I'm about to say, and this harkened back to what Gavin was trying to, the point he was trying to bring up, the only reason. There was any positivity on offense uh, last week at all? Was you had one drive that KJ killed with a bad interception. That one was bad. It didn't come to anything. A and M had a three and out afterwards, but it killed our most promising drive of the first half. But Will Rogers, who I think needs to be the starter from this point on, and most people agree, is is not. He's not a dual threat quarterback, but he's a heck of a lot more mobile as an 18 year old than uh, than. Uh, is KJ as a 23-year-old. And I'm not calling him old. He's 23. I mean, but KJ is not fleet afoot. Uh, KJ wants to stand back in the pocket. He's, uh, you know, he uh, he's enough to keep you honest with his legs. I mean, he can take off and scramble for five or six yards. He did a better job of that Saturday. For as That's a fact. He he did he did a better job looking, knowing where the sticks were, being more aware of what was going on and getting to where he needed to go with his legs. But he's not fast, Okay. Will Rogers. Uh, what, helped, what helped us so much is that with with this bad O line play that we've been talking about is the fact that Will's able to he he was using his legs 
behind the line of scrimmage. Right. was very helpful, him escaping the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield and making throws. And that's what I was about to say. Like, yeah, he's he's moving the pocket and able and, and he gives you a chance. With a bad offensive line, the more mo, the more shifty quarterback gives you a chance. Guys, we are not the offense and we're not going to be the offense until Leach retires or leaves. We are not the offense that's going to use the quarterback run. It's not going to happen. Quit asking for it. Everybody's asking, put Schrader in and run the zone read again. That worked so well over Joe, with Joe Moorhead, guys. Didn't it? Didn't that work great? You want to put the exact same athletes running the exact same uh, plays that they ran a year ago, except they haven't practiced them at all. Is that what you want? And then you got a coach that doesn't really know, that doesn't really isn't really comfortable using that. I've seen this on Twitter. I've literally seen run the zone read. You got Garrett and Kylan, and what are you doing? Did, yeah. did that work? Also, uh, the fans, some of y'all in my comments, especially on yesterday's post when I when I posted about Garrett transferring, yeah, everybody's acting like Leach made the biggest mistake of his coaching career, letting Schrader walk. Guys, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. We will. Um, but Will Rogers, first of all, he's a quarterback of the future. KJ, I don't. KJ's not going to be here till next year. Will Rogers gives you the best chance to salvage this season, but all not only that, uh, we're kind of playing for next year. I think we got a good group next year, with especially with the rules. We got most of these guys coming back. Uh, I only expect to lose maybe three or four guys on defense that are up front. Um, I don't expect to lose really any back end guys unless unless they just are trying to get out of here. That defense is playing yeah, well. I don't and, know why uh, you want to get out of here. I don't know if y'all saw on Twitter, but Fred Peters announced that he's out for the rest of the season, but he will be back next year. So that's good good and bad news it's good to know that he he's definitely one of the guys that's coming back next year because he's played pretty well this season but it also it hurts to lose him you know before we even get halfway through the season did he get hurt uh i didn't see him get hurt in the game but i would i would assume something happened in practice or maybe it was an injury where he was able to walk off the field and then he kind of yeah. Got assessed later, and they decided that he needed to just take the rest of the season off. Right, but um, of course you expect C.J. Morgan back at some point, so that'll help you out a little bit there. Right, and, but, and Sean Preston's been playing well enough. Sean Preston, I, I, I wanted when we, we was gonna if we weren't ever gonna get to talk about defense the rest of the show, which the defense is playing pretty good. Um, Sean Preston was outstanding. Uh, Sean Preston gave us a chance to to actually get back in the game by making a huge play on one of the most talented tight ends in all of football. Raking that, he jumped up on a jump ball on a third and long, and uh, right just above, just beyond the, the line to gain, and he raked it out of out of that tight end's hands, Wardenmeyer, and uh, and was it just a huge play, an, an absolute huge play, because that ball was in his hands, and he came through the ball and raked it out of his hands at the high point, despite being way, way, way undersized. That was impressive. Uh, so shout out to Sean Preston, yeah. and most of the defense played well. Um, but and Forbes. Forbes had a good oh my gosh, Forbes is already he's on the freshman All American list uh, watch list right now. Uh, of course, that was a fortuitous bounce on his interception, but he played well uh, with the rest of the game. And of course, it took the defense to to, to have that that big play to keep you kind of in the game. Um, we're yeah, mo- which, is, which is frustrating. But. Yeah, it's frustrating. At least somebody's making plays, I guess. Mm-hmm. Continuing to talk about though, I, I mean, do you agree? Like, Will's Will's the guy simply because. He'll be oh. here next year, and if the offensive line, if the offensive would, line's going to play better, I would put KJ back in. But you can't have a poor offensive line and a, and a quarterback that can't move. That does not work. It will never work. I've been calling. I've been calling for Will since Arkansas, so I think you know my answer, Colton. All right, so uh, we'll see what happens. I expect Will to be the starter from from here on, simply because 
like I said, if the offensive line's not going to be that bad, it's going to be that bad. Your 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 game's over from before it starts. If you got if you got a quarterback that can't move a little bit. Uh, talking about, I guess we can talk about the defense briefly. We've already mentioned it some, but they played they played pretty well. Uh, they got pushed around a little bit up front, but your your defensive ends and your tackles, Nathan Pickering and Jaden Crumity in the middle, and then uh, Marquis Spencer and Kobe Jones up front. Uh, of course, there's some rotation guys in there as well. We're uh, as impressive as ever. Aaron Brule. Great in coverage, great rushing the passer. I really loved what he did. We did not get a lot of pressure on Kellen Mond at all, uh, but I think that's a credit to AM's offensive line. And because most of his throws were, were most of his, some of his throws were quick, but uh, they did. A, I think they did a pretty good job in coverage. They left a couple guys uh, open that really hurt us. They had a big play, they ended up getting called back, and then of course one of their touchdowns. You got a guy streaking across the middle, and then he goes the distance after like sixty yards. Uh, that's some of the things that you really can't let happen, but. I don't. They they didn't just Kellamon didn't pass all over us. Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller got a, had a pretty decent game, but he didn't just run us out of, out of the gym. And I can't complain too much when they're the number one defense in the SEC, even in a down defensive year. That still says something, because it's not like we've yeah. been playing. You know, we haven't been playing Vanderbilt every single game. You know, Kentucky uh, rushed for an SEC record yards already this year, uh, or us. I think it was a school record in yards already this year. A and M. Has put yeah. up put up fifty something again on Florida and put up thirty something against Alabama, um, and then Arkansas. We saw what they did to Ole Miss uh, this week, and we saw uh, how they hung with us. And they should have they should have had the win against Auburn, and that was actually they actually got absolutely cheated there. Arkansas should be three and one and ranked. Who's who predicted that coming into this year? Yeah, that that's absolutely crazy. Hats off to Sam Pittman. Speaking of Arkansas. If there's an Ole Miss fan in your family or in your workplace or at school or anything like that that's giving you trouble, they can no longer do that after this weekend, okay? We are sitting with identical records. Which is good news. Except uh, uh, Ole Miss is one point away from being 0-4. Their defense, which we know is almost is right at last, in the, in the, it's definitely last in the SEC, and it's, I think it's last in all of football, is – only held up by an offense that we saw is not as prolific as it as it looked like. Some people on this show thought that Ole Miss was going to run Arkansas out of the stadium. We're not going to name names. Yeah, I, I have no problem taking taking my losses <laughs> on that one at least. But uh, yeah. other than that, other than you know, their their offense has looked impressive in some losses. They they look they they look good in garbage time against Florida. I want to admit their their offense looked best against uh, Bama, and and that was impressive. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin kind of knew exactly where Saban's weaknesses were, and that kind of helped a lot because you you would think that if you could put up you know fifty against Bama, that you could put up you know thirty against Arkansas, but you couldn't. Uh, we saw that Matt Corral, who's you know Mister All Everything, and and to a lot of people up there up north, uh, there 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 there's even Ole Miss people that want John Rice Plumley to start, and John Rice Plumley did take snaps at quarterback this week, which is that's literally like if you were asking Kylan Hill to take snaps right now, uh, because John Rice Plumley has not been the quarterback at all for Lane Kiffin. Uh, he's he's the gadget quarterback for like trick plays, but under center or in the shotgun, he's not taking a bunch of uh any snaps. So that's a big deal over there. So I just think it's cute that uh, they wanted to talk a lot of stuff about KJ and I'm not trying to just go and slander them, but KJ has yet to throw six interceptions in a game. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, I doubt it does happen, but 
not saying that it couldn't. I might eat my words. Yeah, I might eat my words later. But that's that's two more than KJ's had in a game. (laughs) Oh my goodness! And they, mm, we're gonna leave that where leave that dog where it lies for right now. Uh, A lot of y'all were probably wondering about Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill uh, is still not with the team. He's still serving that suspension, and and I wouldn't expect him back at all. There's a chance that he comes back, but this is kind of the indefinite thing where it's a little bit hush hush. But Kylan, and we're not going to get into why. We 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 know why it it involved a disagreement with between teammates and coaches, but Kylan has not has not acquitted himself well with the coaching staff over the last two weeks. None of that has to do with what happened this summer. None of that has, has anything at all to do with what happened in, in fall camp. It, this is all recent developments that, uh, that has go that is going on. That's really left Kylan kind of, they've kind of had to move on from Kylan for, uh, for reasons that if you were, if you understood everything about it, you would, you would respect. It's not, it's not like they're out to get him or they're out for blood or they're, or they're, you know, against him because he's showing them up or something like that. It's, it what it's it. Kylan had an attitude problem, and that's all I'm gonna say. That uh, not that I don't love and respect Kylan. I think he's a heck of a football player, but it's the kind of thing that Mike Leach and the staff just can't can't tolerate on the field. Uh, so he's he's gone for right now. I think he feels like he would like to come back. If you re- saw his tweets, he really seemed like he was missing it. Uh, because he was being really nice to all his teammates on Twitter and trying to talk about you know all these things he wants to get right and stuff like that. But I don't see that happening as of yet. Uh, we'll continue to update you as best we can. Of course, we can't say very much at all about most things. But uh, not something that I would be I would be really expecting. I would expect Marks and, and Dylan Johnson the rest of the way, uh, unless something changed. You got anything to add to that? And I'm kind of – I'm not necessarily on the other end of the spectrum, but I do – I don't think we see Colin back for Bama, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's, if he's back before the end of the season. I don't think we've seen him take his last snaps yet. Okay, so you and I have different perspectives here. Yeah. All right, that's fine. I hope he does. I really hope he does. I don't think he does, but I really hope he does. The reason I don't think he does is because of Leach's history. Leach doesn't, Leach doesn't cut guys and then bring them back very often. I think it has happened before. Right. But usually, I mean, I, I was usually it happens in subsequent seasons. Weekend, I fully expected him to be back at some point. And it's kind of it's kind of questionable right now to me as to why he isn't back yet. If he were to come back, which is the only reason why I'm not I'm not fully fully standing firm in what I'm saying. But uh, it's it's just concerning to see that he's still he's still away from the team for as Leach as Leach said undisclosed reasons. Uh, but I, I do think Tom will be back at some point just because of some of the stuff that he's been saying and uh, just some of the things that I've been hearing. Right, so some more things that have happened uh, in this week. Of course, we alluded to it earlier. Garrett Schrader announced that he's transferring, and uh, a lot of people, most people, really, really handled it well. Most people were just like, you know, best of luck to you. And a lot of people understood that, you know, he just doesn't fit in the offense. He's a really, really, really outstanding player and quarterback. It just doesn't work, yeah. and he wants and, to throw the ball. And something that people need to be able to understand is that two things can be true at once. Uh, Garrett, Garrett Schrader is a heck of a quarterback, but also he doesn't fit this system. Those, both of those things are true. They don't. They're not exclusive of each other. Things are. It is not exclusive that Garrett that we would love to have Garrett on the team, but he doesn't really fit uh, what's going on. And he, but he's also really good. Like it doesn't that that computes. Okay, uh, that that adds up. You can't just say, oh well, he must be trash. No, Garrett's Garrett's 
Garrett's a potential NFL guy, just not with what we're doing. And that really, it really burns me up that we're going to let him get away. Uh, but I understand that there's really nothing else that we could do about it. Uh, not with this coaching staff. I would yeah. not switch him for a, 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 an established head coach like Mike Leach with an established coaching staff for, for years to come, if that's the case. If, if, if for some reason this Mike Leach experiment doesn't work out in two or three years, which I don't see happening, then we're, we're, it's a double whammy. Uh, but I don't see that happening and it's not worth the one player. No one player is bigger than the team. Uh, don't want anybody to think that coach ran him off or that, you know, there's, he's a malcontent or he's been purged or he's made to walk the plank or whatever you want to say. Uh, that's not, we expected this to happen. The timing of it's a little bit weird. I, I think maybe he was trying to give it a real crack at receiver and then decided, uh, I don't really care for it. But had he done this a month earlier, which he's been working out at receiver now for eight or nine weeks, he probably could have made a roster on a Pac-12 team. One Pac-12 team in yeah, particular. Well, he's got an extra year, he, he so could, it really doesn't matter. But he, if he's yeah, not going to he be able to play this year. it out some, at some other school. Right. But instead he, at he one Pac-12 school in particular, schools are starting. So I, I just don't really understand that part of the move. Best of luck to Garrett, though. Like I said, he's a heck of a quarterback, and some, somebody's going to get a, a real gamer. Right, and that somebody might be somebody we're very familiar with. Uh, I'm sure that Oregon, where Coach Moorhead is offensive coordinator, is on his short list for uh, a potential uh, landing spot. So I like to see him get way out of here so that we don't have to play against him. Uh, but as long as he doesn't go to Ole Miss, I think I'm okay with it. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I agree. He beat Kentucky would, for I would, us. Like I said, I would, I would like for him to be out of the SEC, but you know, he he gets to pick where he ends up, and regardless of where he does end up, I, I hope that he's successful every time, uh, every game he plays in, unless it's against us. Right. So he uh he gets to beat Ole Miss and Kentucky for us, and then he can take his services elsewhere. That doesn't bother me. He'll still have uh. Three years left of eligibility anywhere he goes. So, good luck to him because, of course, this year doesn't count. A couple of things we need to get into really quick. Announced today, so it's kind of good that we had the the show earlier. We're going to kind of give a little bit of a blurb about uh, men's basketball because announced today was the SEC Big 12 Challenge for men's basketball and their opponents and the locations and stuff. We will host Iowa State as a part of that. And I'm not going to even bother with the date because who knows with Corona if those dates hold up. But if we do get to do the challenge, we'll be hosting Iowa State. And a lot of state fans were really, really upset because we never get to play in this challenge and uh, all the other teams get to. And the reason why we, even when we were really good, we weren't participating is because it went off the 10 teams because there's only 10 Big 12 teams. It doesn't make sense. There's 12 Big 12, but there's 10 teams. So only 10 SEC teams can play. The 10 SEC teams. Doesn't, doesn't the Big Ten have 12 teams? The Big Ten has 14 teams. Okay. It doesn't make sense. The Pac-12 does have 12 teams, though. Yeah. One thing on the West Coast that actually makes players. sense. But uh, the way they determine who plays is it's based off your record two years ago. So our record in 2018, in, in the 17-18 in the, in the season, determines uh whether or not we play in the in the 19 in the 2021 season okay that's well i guess it'd be the 1819 season because last this year was the 2020 so we did good in the 1819 season so we get to play in the 2021 season i think or it might be what i said originally in any case it's not i I think that's kind of weird because they just now made the schedule today so they have plenty of time to consider the previous year's schedule 
and they could just do it based off of that because a lot can change. A lot can change in a year, but let alone a couple years. But we should be able to see ourselves uh, as full participants in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And again, we'll be hosting Iowa State, so that'll be really cool. Uh, I think the men's basketball is a big question mark. I think it can go a lot of ways. Uh, I could see this being one of those years where the star power isn't really good, but the team chemistry is, and you just kind of have a, a, a better season, a, a team that's better than the sum of its parts. That's not something that Ben Howland has been great at. He's had some good athletes. He's had some 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 four-year starters. He's had some, uh, you know, I'm th- you're thinking of Q Weatherspoon. You're thinking of uh, Nick Weatherspoon. Um, you're thinking of Gavin Ware back in the day. Uh, he's not, we haven't had a ton of teams that I just thought that team is better than the sum of its parts. Uh, not, a, a, not, not exactly, uh, akin to what Vic, Vic Schaefer has done, who despite having some extremely talented players, some of the best players in the world, uh, he was, I think most of his teams were still a better than the sum of their parts. And if you don't know what yeah. that means, I'm not going to take time to explain that to you, but just, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. You can be, you can be better than simply this guy's more talented than your our guys more talented than your guy or less talented than your guy. You can working together is a big part of basketball. And if you play pickup basketball, you know you got a bunch of guys that are just there that don't know each other, and then five people show up together in the same vehicle and they're all best friends. They usually kill you, not because they're more talented than the ones you got, because they're usually not, but they they know each other and it works out. So. We'll see. Of course, every single SEC team and team that we play would have practiced together and stuff, but that doesn't mean you can't elevate their game. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any evidence for why that's going to be the if that why that might be the case this year. But I do think that there is enough humility and enough, you know, not so much uh, me, 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 and not so much you know NF, uh, NBA futures and stuff like that on the line, and that there's enough leadership to where that is a possibility. I really, really like Abdul Adu as probably a defensive player of the year candidate in the SEC this year. He's already seventh all-time in blocks. He's one of the best rim, rim protectors we've ever had, and he's got a whole other year to play. I expect him to be up there around the second or third uh, one day. DJ Stewart's a guy I'm looking forward to, to watching. Probably your first scoring option is DJ Stewart. you got Iverson uh, Molinar, who's uh, going to be – is it Iverson or Ivan? It's Iverson. Iverson. It's like Allen Iverson, Iverson. Uh, is a guy that supposedly has worked on his jumper a lot over the off season, and I'm excited to see how that goes. Uh, that'll be good. He'll be a guy that's able to stretch the floor for us. I think really, as long as I think it would almost hurt us more this year if you had a guy that was like a primary scoring option all the time, as opposed to you've got several guys that it's kind of hard to defend. And when I was in high school and played basketball. Uh, when we do get to talk more about basketball on the show, that's going to be the one I have the most experience with. Um, even though it's it's probably it's not my favorite sport to watch. Although if you ask me when the hump's going crazy and it's a tie game in the fourth quarter, ask me if it's my favorite sport to watch then, and I'll probably say yes because there's there's something there's nothing like it. It's it's different. It's it's really really it's amazing. It's so fun. But uh, you know, I played in high school and none nobody on my team was super super talented. Um, they were all pretty good and they're all very disciplined. They all played fundamental, but most importantly, there wasn't just, Oh, number, number 12 is scoring all the points. Uh, uh, you gotta, you really gotta guard 12, uh, number 20, number five, but nobody else is really scoring. So just guard those three. You could help side off defense off everybody else. An an offense where, and, and like it was when I graduated, um, we were made it to second in the state and that team won state the two years after I left. You everybody could score a little bit. 
Okay, nobody nobody was getting 30 points a game, but everybody was getting 10 points a game at least. And so that kind of led to a much better basketball team than, oh, uh, we've got, you know, the second coming of LeBron James, but the guy in the corner shoots 25%. You know, I don't think we'll have a lot of that this year because I think that everybody's pretty, especially with some of these transfers that we've got in, I think everybody is pretty all right, but nobody other than Abdullah Du on defense, not on offense, is a superstar. Abdullah Du is a yeah. defensive and, superstar, uh, though. He is Davon, a game Davon changer. Smith has super... Oh, you there, Gavin? Gavin. Yeah. I think I lost you there for a second. Uh, I don't know. I've been here. Um, I think I was using a speaker to talk to Gavin, and I think it, it dropped my my uh my phone so now i'm just using my phone um anyway as we were saying uh you you mentioned a, a somebody you somebody name yeah, i think uh davon smith a true freshman he's a guy that has superstar potential you just don't really know very much about him yet but hopefully he's a guy that's able to contribute early and maybe step into that superstar role that like colton said we're lacking yeah so like I, like i said i think as long as if you if you're gonna have superstars, you need to have ab, like absolute stud superstars. I mean, the kind of guys that go to Duke and the kind of guys that uh, you know, not, we're not gonna have a lot of years where Duke had three first round draft picks, and of course they didn't they didn't have much to show for it because uh, they were you know they were NCAA championship or bust. But one we we've had years where you know it's really like last year Reggie it was Reggie Perry, and then everybody else, and of course Robert Woodard was in there was really really good, but Robert Woodard's not you know, first-round pick type of potential like Reggie Perry is. And they can kind of key in on him. And he had still had some good games, but sometimes you can just let Reggie get his and then that's that's your game plan. As long as he get his and nobody else gets theirs, you're all right. We had some of the similar things with Nick we- uh, with Q Weatherspoon. Q Weatherspoon was a, fi- was a phenomenal player at Mississippi State. And, and if we have an, uh, if that uh, the local the Mississippi State Hall of Fame, if, if there is one for basketball, he needs to be in it. Uh, maybe even the SEC uh, Hall of Fame or SEC legend someday because I, with as far as how he affected the game on both ends of the floor, he was a monster. But a lot of times Q could have 25 points and nobody else really contributed too much and you, you look and State's lost by 10. Uh, we have, have had decent basketball teams in the past, but I think it's going to be important for us to take the next step in future years if we can develop you know a culture or a game plan where everybody's sharing the ball and you kind of you don't know where the attack's coming from. And then in the in the future, when uh, you know some of these freshmen, these transfers, uh, blossom into you know the big potential superstars they could be, they've already used to used to that that time when they didn't have to be the number one option and the only option, and so that makes that team even more dangerous. Yeah. All right. So I don't think there's anything else we need to go over. Gavin, do you have anything? Nope. I think we're good. All right. Sorry for the sound quality this week, guys, because of uh, we had to do this as a distance version. You know, we're socially distanced on on uh, our show this week. Gavin, uh, congrats are in order to Gavin. Um, Gavin, uh, Gavin's gonna have to tell you about the interview and the new position he got uh this week that he's really really proud of and really really excited about. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Colton. First of all. But uh, I interviewed on Monday with Matt Wilson, which is the director of player personnel for the football team. And he uh, he called me back yesterday and let me know that I got a position to be one of the students that's working in the athletic department, uh, being basically shadowing him, uh, watching film with him, 
and I'm really excited to get started. So, so Gavin's yeah. going to be cutting high school tape for recruits and stuff. Correct. Yeah, I'll be making recruiting profiles and stuff and passing those along to the coaches, uh, basically so they don't have to spend so much time going through film. I'm kind of I'm kind of the first wave of people that's going to go through a whole lot of film. So you heard that, guys. If you're a high school player, you know a high school player that wants to play at Mississippi State, just spam Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. All right, so that's all we got for today. Uh, I had to put Gavin on the spot there right at the end. But I'll see y'all. We'll see y'all later. Um, I'm going to let Gavin do the salutations because I messed it up last time. I'm on probation. Yeah. yeah uh, Colton, has a, Colton has a one-week suspension. So with that being said, Swing your sword and hail state. Hail state, everybody.